0: Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of FLOP. But did we give them a fair shake? Welcome to Flopography, episode four of season two. Uh, And we're really excited uh, to bring you a special episode today where we're breaking our show structure, have so many new questions, and we're inviting a special guest uh, on today to help us delineate between two albums, which we'll be diagnosing, whether flop or not, uh, this evening. And those albums are uh, Donda, by Kanye West and Certified Lover Boy by Drake, so we're doing a in the moment review of these two albums, uh, their impact and and the legacy uh, that that each could potentially uh, leave. And so with that, Mike, I'm I'm curious, you know, what what's with the UIC shirt? Is that the closest thing you had to to something for Kanye?
1: Steve, <laughs> yeah, I went through my entire closet and I was like, what do I have that screams Drake or Kanye? nothing so i got my uic shirt that was literally at the bottom of my drawer and i'm like this is close enough because yay now lives in or lived in chicago right <laughs> yeah
0: yeah he's from chicago and that's like uh, one of the reasons that you know I've, I've listened to a lot of his music i've been to his concert So how, how's everything going? How was your weekend? I think you you had a, a little party on Saturday. Between... Yes,
1: I had a Vax-only birthday party. It was so fun. And uh, it was just super cool to be with people and, and have a little sense of normalcy. And uh, I was really sad, though, Steve, that not only could you and Jenny not make it, obviously because you're on LA, but also the package you sent me got... Stolen and or lost in transit. What the hell's well,
0: going on? Been, this has been just a story to follow the past week. Uh Jenny and I sent it's actually Jenny's favorite shop in Chicago called Mojo Spa. They I actually use our podcast. Yeah, yeah, they should sponsor our podcast. I use their soap. It's like they've got like this great soap, and I think that you know, after you gave me like this lotion, the scented lotion or something for Christmas. We felt we should repay you the favor. Jenny is so disappointed. It's like, and, and obviously I am too, that you weren't able to receive our gift. I've been losing
2: friends and finding peace. But honestly, that sound like a fair trade to me. If I ever heard one and I'm still here outside, frontline, south side. I've been losing friends and finding peace. Honestly, that sound like a
0: fair trade to me. It's time to get into the background or the context of each of the albums. So for Donda, it was Kanye's 10th studio album. Uh, he released the album on the 29th of August, 2021. And it was initially set for release on July 24th, but was delayed multiple times. Uh, Donda's categorized as a hip hop and gospel album it's described as both minimalist and maximalist uh, and has kind of a darker tone and lyrical content than Kanye's previous efforts, exploring religion, addiction, ego, uh, West's mental instability. We know that he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and relationships with his family, his separation from Kim Kardashian, and obviously the undertone of the entire album, his late mother, Donda West, after whom the album is named.
3: Forever, Can you hear me? Yeah. Forever, forever, forever. Forever. Forever, glory, glory, glory,
0: glory. The context for Certified Lover Boy, it's Drake's sixth album. Uh, it was released uh, just A week later, September 3rd, 2021, it was originally slated for release in late 2020, then shifted to January 2021, um, but was delayed because of Drake's leg injury, which is interesting for a delayed album. It's been described as like a patient trickle of Drake lore and fan service that could have come out as almost any point of his career that's what one of the the reviewers says and the album's artwork features and this was one of the most memefied parts of the release 12 emojis of pregnant women in varying clothing colors hairstyles and skin tones the artwork was met with some negative reaction and i think we'll probably get into more detail about it in our analysis section
2: i'm standing at the top that's how i know you never seen the top sierra King parking lot looking like madden city parking lot Hear the talks when i walk by like you know it's over
0: one of the big things to think about as we go into like the numbers and, and the discussion on the album is just the Drake versus Kanye feud. The two have continued to exchange words via their music. Some fans speculated that Drake was rapping about having relations with Kanye's estranged wife, Kim, which mm-hmm. was, you know, part of the, it's, it's not been confirmed, but was, but was part of the feud uh, on one of the Drake's tracks. Drake seemed to take shots at both West and, and West's frequent collaborator, Pusha T. He raps, All these fools I'm beefing with, or beefing that I barely know, 45, 44, burned out, let it go. Ye- yay ain't changing shit for me, it's set in stone. So in response to this new song, West actually followed that up with a since-deleted Instagram post of a screenshot of a map taken uh, from his iPhone photo locations that appears to show Drake's home address in Toronto. So that kind of like, was all... The groundworks for this, these two albums. All right, it's time to get into the numbers of both albums, uh, and we'll go over this quite quickly because uh, we really want to get into the meat of the show, the the analysis. So, the buzz, Donda, uh, was released with five days of tracking uh, and released at three hundred and nine thousand album equivalents. Certified Lover Boy doubled that at six thirteen. Uh, in terms of album singles. Because of the, their streaming numbers, almost all of the singles uh, reached the Hot 100 for both artists. Donda's highest ranking song was Hurricane at number six. Rain down the rain. Yeah.
3: Oh. I was up for self. Mm-mm-mm up sale but i couldn't tell god made it rain the devil made it hell dropped out of school, but i'm the one that
0: yell. and drake actually had the number one and number two songs with way too sexy and girls want girls uh i think mike we know that both of those are kind of your jam
1: steve i was just dancing in my seat to way too sexy right now it's playing in my head and it been for the last two weeks too sexy for this chain
3: too sexy for your game too sexy for this fame yeah yeah i'm
2: too sexy for the trap too sexy for the cat too sexy for the job
0: yeah yeah both albums went number 1 they've been on the entire chart run they've only been out for 5 and 6 weeks so and some critical reactions. so donda got a 53 from metacritic which is is mixed reviews and a 6.5 user score uh, and Certified Lover Boy got a 61 Metacritic score and a 3.5 user score. So uh, that means that Certified Lover Boy got about 10 points higher, eight points higher than Donda in terms of critic score, and uh, about half of the uh, the reaction from. From fans, one critic says that it's his best album since 2013's Jesus. The other said, you know, his tenth album arrives barely finished with a lot of baggage. Additionally, certified lover boy was called with 21 tracks and over 86 minutes, somehow still feels tight next to the interminable Donda. So it was actually compared a lot, like a lot of these people compared the albums in their reviews. People felt that it was cliched, listen uh, overlong. But you know it's it's serviceable. But if if you're looking for something new, sadly, you're out of luck. Is basically the description of Certified Lover Boy.
1: Can I just say, I'm happy we're taking a fresh look at two recently released albums because, like, we get to see the art before it becomes even much more of like a historical pop. And like, let's be real, both of these artists, despite the numbers not maybe not being where they were previously they're rap artists. They're at the top of their game, right? People know of Kanye and Drake by literally just their first names alone. And so, you know, at the end of the day, these albums that we're gonna review, probably not that much of a flop because of that in itself.
3: I wanna go to the Don't leave so soon, Don't leave so soon.
0: And with that, we'll get into the analysis of both Donda and Certified Lover Boy. And today we have an extra special guest, uh, Matthew Renzulli joins us. He is uh, a Kanye. <laughs> Welcome, Matt. He's a Hello. Kanye expert, uh, and uh, Matt is actually a coworker of mine. And he inspired this episode uh, when he said, "You guys should do a Donda versus Certified Lover Boy uh, episode." So, Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, your Kanye fandom. Yeah.
4: Well, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I was going to say, should we start with a Donda chant?
3: Donda. 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 Donda.
4: But I think that'll show my bias a little bit. But And I'll also add that we're recording this on the official day when Kanye has legally changed his name, court approved, to yay. No first name, no last name. So, you know. But... Yeah, I am a Kanye stan, unapologetic Kanye fan. Um, so I'll I'll just intro my bias from the start. Um
0: As a true New York Times employee, yes. make sure you intro your uh your bias ahead of time.
4: Yeah, so Steve and I work together and um he knows about my Kanye fandom. And um I had suggested this idea. And my Kanye fandom actually goes back. I think Kanye is part of the reason why I love hip-hop. I remember in 2004, when I first got my driver's license, I would ride around listening to College Dropout. We Don't Care was, you know, my anthem. Um, And ever since then, I've been super into, you know, hip-hop and all things Kanye. So I'm excited to um, show my support and obviously bias towards Kanye, but I'll try to be as... um, you know, fair as possible,
0: and show our viewers that you are wearing some uh, Yay apparel. And I, Uh-oh. the funniest thing, actually, this is this is quite embarrassing. For the longest time, I I, I called him or called his album Yee. And I didn't realize, it, I, I didn't connect that yay to Kanye. And it felt like a very like blonde moment. But Jenny, I said Ye again today. And Jenny corrected me because she's also a Kanye fan. And is like, Steve, it's yay. And now yeah. he's officially changed his name. So I need to get up to speed with that. But show show the viewers uh, the shirt that you're wearing.
4: So I have a St. Pablo one. I was debating that. Or I have the glow in the dark tour one. And then under it, I, I was saying that I wore a Pusher t-shirt. Which, you know, considering we're talking about, um you know, Drake here, I thought it was fitting to have the person who destroyed him on a diss track <laughs> um, and really won that beef. So on to the next
0: beef where I'm here to unbiasedly. On to the next beef. And you know what I noticed even in, in Drake's album is like how much he talks about all of his beefs. And it was quite interesting. So I can't wait to dive in. So with that, uh, you know, Mike, Mike and I are a little bit less biased. Uh, I will say I've been to a Kanye uh, concert. Jenny and I went to go see uh, the the Jesus concert with the pyramid, and so we had we were in the 300 level at the United Center in Chicago. But it was a great, great experience. I will say he does put on a great live show. Um, but speaking about the the albums uh, at hand today, so Donda versus Certified Lover Boy, uh, which album? and We'll start with Matt, and then we'll you know Mike. I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Which album? Had more hype prior to release, Donda or certified lover boy. and And what's your rationale for that?
4: Yeah, so I think not surprisingly, I think my answer is going to be uh, probably Donda. I think though, what I'll say is I think the fact that they were released so close together and you know dropped a week apart, I think, Um, We all won here as fans of of music, as fans of hip hop, but I think obviously Kanye being the the multi-hyphen creative marketing genius that he is, I think pretty much turning a, a listening party into a stadium tour, testing and refining the album in real time. Um, you know, I think only increased the hype of it. It's arrival. I know when it launched on Sunday, I, I couldn't wait to like listen and see the changes and tweaks and things of that nature. Um, and tipping a cap, I won't like Drake had good marketing too. Like the cover being what I thought was a terrible Damian Hurst, you know, kind of cover with the emojis um was a good way for people to like you know make clb social in the same way he made scorpion with like the scorpion emoji doing that again he also did do like the really cool hypey billboards of like in local cities it was like hey new york the goat and it is on clb or hey chicago smirk um is on clb which is a reference to little dirk or in cleveland cutter so i thought he did some cool stuff but kanye being the ultimate hype man that he is clapped back by doing a billboards on toronto in toronto during the clb launch so i think like overall in terms of hype completeness of like marketing like thought build up excitement like i have to give it to you know kanye especially that like kanye invented like rein, reincarnated merch you know and then like we're looking at like the kind of boring clb merch and all of these things and like the universe around it and i just think kanye in terms of hype in terms of building a universe building excitement um up to an album like there is no one that is is better at it right now so matt i hope you're
1: not talking about kanye's gap
4: line that i know jenny is a huge fan
1: of because that was not a good hype but i will say i was really scared because matt and i don't know each other and i'm like ooh, he's a diehard kanye thing we might we might get into a little uh scuffle today but the fact that you're talking about the genius behind kanye's marketing around the promo is exactly kind of why I'm giving him the edge on that too. Like you knew about his album release, right? You did not, I mean, me personally, I'm like, I'm not a rap fan, right? I'm kind of right in the middle of things and music, but I didn't know Drake's album was being released until literally the week before. And little did I know that he was actually promoting it for, for years and at that time and the hype around it. So we have to give that to Kanye and Steve, I'm pretty sure you're probably going to agree.
0: Yeah, I mean- I I agree, I think Kanye's album was more hyped. I will say both albums were delayed. Drake was originally supposed to uh, release his album back in January. Uh, So I feel like the delay for Drake was so long that hype wore off a little bit. But with Kanye, I I almost felt the same a bit because he had his first couple listening parties. Well, he had three total listening parties, two in Atlanta and one in uh, Chicago. And at first, there was so much hype around the the first and second listening parties, with you know, the positive word of mouth from those made it feel like Kanye was gonna win like a Grammy for album of the year. And then after the third listening party and not dropping on that Friday, it was such a surprise to wake up and see Sunday morning to your point, Matt, like an album release. No major artist releases on a Sunday. That's like you're you're losing two days of tracking. So it, it was a total surprise, uh, and I think because of the listening parties, I think one thing that Kanye has always done well is create like a great show right, and he's a showman and can put on a live performance that really illustrates the music uh and I think that that is what he did successfully to drive hype for for this album, and speaking of the albums and you know your first listens. What were both of your like initial reactions to to both Donna and Certified Lover Boy? And for some, I think Mike, this might be your first time listening all the way through, and Matt probably your fiftieth time listening all the way through. So I'm interested to hear your perspectives.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'll say in one word for me, the way I describe Certified Lover Boy is is formulaic. Oh. Um, and the way, and not necessarily a bad thing, and but in the way I describe Donda is a bit more, and I would use a word like you know brave or, or vulnerable. Um, and, you know, I think Kanye really, in, in this album, he's talking about so many things, so many themes that are personal to him. He's talking about the trappings of fame early on with tracks like Jail. He's talking about breakdown in his marriage, you know, and things like that. He's talking about the pain of losing his mother, which obviously is, is the dedication of the entire album, rediscovering his faith. Like, I think it's radical honesty in a way, and, and even talking about his contradictions where I don't think you're getting that same level of vulnerability from drake you're kind of getting the same level of of formula from drake I, i i use the line that ever since drake came out with nothing was the same which i thought was a great album everything's been the same ever since you're gonna get the radio hit you're gonna get the dance hit you're gonna get you know kind of the viral tiktok song and, and catchy lyrics that you're gonna play in the club or now like the tiktok dance some like dance some I've, I've tried to coin that word but i don't think it actually flies um and then you know you're gonna get like the 7 a.m on birdie 5 a.m in calabasas like diss track and it's like kind of a little bit of a formula not that it's not great or really good but it's not boundary pushing vulnerable brave in the same way i think like every kanye album is
1: see that's interesting matt because like i is what you're saying is totally true about drake right it's formulaic but i think that's the beauty in drake's album and his artistry he knows what's gonna work you know and like i'll throw it out there now way too sexy is a fucking pop, right and like um jenny would appreciate this steve but like i was at my workout class doing kickboxing a couple weeks ago and the instructor played an amazing remix to it and i was like holy shit like it just got me hyped you know And and that that's what drake does well he knows exactly how to go for commercial hits um, I think that, that is the, the good thing. And you're right. It is kind of the same of Drake, right? There's nothing new in that. Um, you're Steve, you're totally right. I did. I listened to like probably half of those albums prior to our recording. And I had I had to force myself to listen to two, almost two hour long albums. That was uh, crazy and insane. But, um, I think kind of the, the first impression there is the artistry that Kanye showed. Um, particularly in the second half of the album that was kind of hidden from the first half, right. With jail and, and everything else, hurricane, you know, I think that there, there's a lot more depth there. And, and that's kind of an initial reaction to that is the polar opposite differences. Kanye know what he was doing, right. With his creativity and going deep on an album while Drake did what Drake does best. And I don't know if we can knock Drake for that, right. He just does it well.
4: I would just say though that it's becoming a bit derivative. Like I was listening and like Champagne Poetry, listen to the opening of More Life. Like Champagne Poetry, same exact track. Listen to Girls Want Girls, catchy hook. If you listen to Drake did I think Dark Lane demo tapes, Time Flies, exactly the same song. Fountains One Dance, exactly. So it's not even that yeah. it's it's becoming so formulaic to me and you know way too sexy. I actually have a polar opposite i think it's just like a lazy pander to the internet like built for tiktok which listen you know sure when it comes on i don't mind it but like to me like knowing hip-hop knowing like tm88 that's a tm88 beat like when you hear that like you know his his sound it's an awesome beat and then he just tries to recreate the what a time to be alive like future album and he literally steals the entire, like, I'm too sexy. And it's just like, not original to me. It's just a total pander. And it just, it gets me frustrated because he is better than that. Lyrically he does, like Drake does have talent. Drake does have have bars. And like, why keep trying to recreate the same formula again when you could actually be a boundary pushing artist. You could show yeah. some vulnerability. You could, you know, like do, do some of the things that make you sound different and and distinguished and actually make you a part of one of the, the, the goat conversations the top five, the top threes, you know? And I just think this was such a miss in in terms of him and his ability to do that.
1: I do think that every artist has to have their album where they just plateau, right? And it was kind of like not going much higher than that. This is his album for him. I think at his next record, he'll probably go a little bit more in like a left creative direction because he's done this now, right? And he saw the chart numbers and he's like, all right, time to switch it up a little bit. Um, side note, I do like that he worked with uh, That producer He had a bomb-ass remix with um, influenced by Tovlo and Wiz Khalifa Really good record, by the way If you guys listen to it
0: The moment that I almost felt That that formula that Drake's created Because I, I have that written down in my notes as well is um, was, was at its peak Is when he released Tootsie Slide And that was literally for a TikTok dance Like, that just felt... Very, a sellout in in a way, Um, and and I thought it was formulaic, but not not just because of the production or the sound or the the earworms that he has. Like to me, it was more about the themes and topics he talked about, like his industry beefs, being at the top of his game, like and the whole album about committing to be a player. It just it felt very repeated from previous eras and albums for donda on the other hand the first reaction i had was that this is just like a stream of consciousness in a way and and i think that there was a lot of filler on the album i think he probably could have cut some some down and i think it probably reflected his his you know kind of erratic behavior he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder like i think that that it was it was a very troubling time for him during the the recording and production of this album kanye always probably could cut a little bit of the fat in his records but i think this one specifically felt that had a lot of filler steve can i just say
4: that i think kanye has showed he he did the wyoming sessions he did seven album i guess i don't know if they're called EPs or albums but he did a seven album track with yay and all of his you know kind of um creatives during that part he also yeezus i think it was 12 tracks Twisted Fantasy 13 or I might be flipping those so he has been able to show restraint and I kind of liked the I agree he probably could have cut did we need the necessarily part twos I don't know I, I kind of thought we benefited from some of them but I thought this I liked the idea of it like being somewhat imperfect you know in terms of in that stream of consciousness I think it was like a really interesting aspect of it because you've got so much content you got so much vulnerability out of him as a result of that and I felt like in a way that CLB didn't have a progression or arc like I really I felt like Kanye was like going there was clear themes of like it opened with almost this like rock and roll you know kind of Jesus-esque feel and like you know him like being lost and and then you know him finding Kim and progressing into like and then at the end of it almost being a Jesus is King gospel album so I did kind of like that he allowed, like, you know, like, we, we, he didn't put necessarily too much constraints on it. And the fact that he has shown the ability to do that in the past, like, I was cool with it being, you know, the more Kanye, the better was like my kind of philosophy.
1: So, and I, I that's interesting you put it that way, Matt, because like, I think a common theme of all the f- albums that flop that we review is that the artist is going through something, something personal in their lives, and out comes this hodgepodge or sometimes mess of an album not saying this is that one exactly but there's some beauty in it right because there's this stream of consciousness that does come out of that that is almost is human in some ways for these artists
0: do you guys have a best like song best lyric uh that you chose for each album
4: yeah i think for me like personally and i know there's a lot of you know kind of Hurricane being the the you know the the standout or off the grid. Um, but for me I thought Jesus' is Lord was probably number one for me. Too many pills, so much
3: potions, so much pain, too many emotions. And everything that you do good, it just go unnoticed. Did it tell you that you could not just stay focused? Mama, you was the life for the party. I swear you brought life to the party. When you lost your life, it took the
4: life out the party. That woman rode with me like a Harley. I thought that was really Kanye at his most vulnerable, really talking about, you know, kind of his mother, the pain of losing her. I haven't necessarily seen that level of vulnerability from from Kanye in a while. And then to combine it with just like, you know, kind of the beautiful production quality of it all and an amazing J Electronica feature who, you know, I also love. I thought that was probably the number one song for me. Moon in terms of, just like literally every time I listen to that I feel like I'm levitating and the fact that it was so restrained so minimal in Kanye speaks to his like you know kind of curatorial abilities and then from a lyrical standpoint I did like the uh oh, and oh, oh lord I need you and and this is like it reminds me of Ye's ability to just like figure out obscure cultural references. He did, we used to freak like seven days a week. It's the best collab since Taco Bell and KFC. And I thought, you know, after the whole like closed on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A, like him finding this little niche of fast food references was great. We used to do the
3: freak like seven days a week. It's the best collab since Taco Bell and KFC.
4: But
0: I've had many of uh, KFC Taco Bell combo in my yeah. back in college. <laughs>
4: And I love that it, every album I'm now expecting a, a fast food reference from him.
1: What about Uncertified Loverboy? I know you're impartial, but I'm curious.
4: Okay, so I love the. It's, Drake does have some some storytelling abilities, and while I don't always think they're the deepest, I thought I think just TSU to me um, was probably my favorite song on the album. I think like just I I kind of love the. I'm a nerd for for production. Um and I just love the the beat there. It kind of has this like wany feel to it. She moved out of state and shit then went left. She's
2: seeking forgiveness. She used to dance, but she won alone, up a business. Her daddy is not around, her mama is not around. I watch her climb on the
4: top of the pole and niggas. I'll also say I know it's a controversial verse, but when um what was it uh, you say that say that you're a lesbian girl me too girls want girls where I'm from I thought immediately when that came on I was like this is controversial this is like the total quintessential Drake verse and like I could see this becoming like the ultimate meme and just remember being like okay this is a catchy song yeah say that you are a lesbian girl me too hey girls want girls where I'm from yeah well girls want girls where I'm from I think it just speaks to Drake and I think like certified lover boy is almost, uh, you know, it's, it's Drake's reframe of fuck boy. Right. Like, yeah, so like I, I
0: remember when he de- debuted the hair with like the heart in his hair. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is he doing? He's just going full in on this to your point, like memified album experience for, for listeners. And I think it just speaks to his,
4: like, you know, he is the ultimate, um, you know, I, he, he's, his ability to just, um, you know, kind of become this this ultimate sex symbol, this ultimate, you know, kind of the R and B softness of Drake with like the hard rapping of Drake. Like he has become this ultimate sex symbol that like you know, and I think that line is speaking to the fact that like he can get any girl, he can even turn a lesbian, you know, straight because he's Drake and and he's that sexy of, of a man, which I think speaks to his little bit. And I think he talked about the album this way, like a blend of like vulnerability or toxic masculinity in a way, or like confronting toxic masculinity. So there was a, a theme there. It just, again, felt, you know, even though uh, catchy and, and, and but I, you know, Depth in terms of lyrics, I don't think you're getting the same level of, of vulnerability. Drake
1: understands culture, which is why he knows how to make meme-worthy and attention-grabbing music. Um, one of the things I wrote down I was listening to the album again today was he knows how to write rap for the masses. He just knows how to do it for the masses. Key word there, right? And and so, Girls Want Girls. That was my favorite actual uh, line: "is Girls, say you're lesbian, girl, me too." Right? Like I loved it. That was like fun, you know. And he knows what he's doing with that um way too sexy obviously my favorite song with Donda you know I would say every song that you mentioned was on my list Matt um and and the expanded with Come to Life and um and obviously Jail and Hurricane but uh I liked Jesus Lord uh, particularly when I looked in that was produced by Swiss Beats um like and obviously one of the only kind of more mainstream type of producers on the album, Alicia Keys' Husband, right? They still together. Um, and then as well as um, Jeff Basker with Come to Life, who's uh, another popular producer as well that I was excited to see there. But I would say that whole string of the latter half, the latter quarter of um, Kanye's album shows, while Drake knows the masses, Kanye knows how to actually write music, right? And knows how to have more depth to it. And that that is kind of what really stood out for me on that one.
3: Ever wish you had another life? Ever wish you had another life? Don't you wish the night would go long. I've been feeling low for so long. I ain't had a high so long. I've been in the dark for so long. Night is always dark as for the dawn. Gotta make my mark for I'm gone. I don't want to die alone. I don't want to die alone. I get mad when she gone.
0: The direction I went is back to like the heart and the purpose of. Uh Kanye's album, which was about his mother, right and the funny funny story is Jenny's a huge Kanye fan, so I spoke about how we went to that concert together. She actually wrote Kanye a letter when Kanye's mom died and sent sent it to Kanye like a physical letter i I'm not sure if we received it. I mean we sent a package to Mike this week that got stolen, so who knows if people get our get our mail but anyway uh my my uh my my lyric was actually what uh in, in Praise God and in Donda. I think it is Donda West herself. It's not spoken by an, like a voice actor.
3: And you know, I am my son's mother. <laughs> the man I describe in the introduction as being so decidedly different, my son. And what made the project extra special to me is I got a chance to share not only what he has meant to me, but what he has meant to
0: a generation. Matt, you spoke about listening to a College Dropout, and there was a quote uh, from Raising Kanye, which was a show with Kanye and his mom, and basically she said, "I sat in the parking lot and listened to the whole CD. I couldn't pull pull off. I wanted to still, I wanted to be still and take it all in. I sat there listening, halfway holding back tears, halfway jamming." I had the music turned up real loud. I wanted to open my window and scream to everybody walking by, hey, this is my kid. And I just thought that was so, like, nice. that like, And it was just, like, so full circle. He, you know, felt he was doing his mom so proud by a lot of this work. My favorite songs were kind of the obvious ones. I loved Hurricane. I also really liked Moon. As you said, Matt, I think that's, like, one that I could listen to over and over and over again. And I think it's, like, the tone of it and the understated, like, Kanye in that song. For Certified Lover Boy, my two favorite tracks were Knife Talk with 21 Savage. I missed the But the feature errors outdid Drake in in some of the songs. Uh, But I think that that was a really one that I liked a lot. I also liked 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, even though you totally shaded it earlier, Matt. One of his lyrics in that song was, I've been doing this since T-Pain was pouring us Nuvo, which is that like hip hop drink from two
2: I've been doing this since T-Pain was pouring us nuvo. You tell them I run the country, they'll say Trudeau, Poppy, Chulo, Grippin' coolo
0: Drake's lyrics are really tapping into pop culture, especially in the bridal path song. It's like literally cultural reference after cultural reference. I do
4: think culture is the key that that and Mike, I agree with you that culture is the word that I come back to for both of them. The difference I will say though, is I think Drake has an ability to you know, kind of optimize or tap into what's what's relevant now. He's almost drafting off of culture, whereas I think Kanye is different in terms of he is defining culture in terms of the content, the way in which he. He's, what he talks about, I think he pushes the, the, the boundaries of whatever he does, whether it be music, whether it be fashion, let's not forget the pink polo, why rappers are dressing the way they are today is is arguably because of Kanye West. Um, so I think that is the distinction that I would make. And Steve, just, you know, and, and then Mike, I'd love to get your kind of way in there, but, but is Knife Talk. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I love that track. That's a 21 Savage track to me. That should be on a 21 Savage album. I thought Drake was totally outshined on that. I thought the beat, I thought everything was was that. And I was like, this is an awesome song, but this is 21 Savages lane. And I think, again, that's like Drake, you know, going back and being like, who's hot right now? Who's hot in culture? I'm going to, you know, jo- I'm going to hop on their track. I'm going to co-sign. Um, and then as a result, they're going to become big and listen, it's mutually beneficial. I don't, you know, hate on it. And obviously 21 Savage is not an up and coming artist, but I just think it's like the classic, like, let me hop on or let me, you know, kind of pull over here versus Kanye is actually, you know, kind of down the field, looking ahead at what's next. What, how can I push the genre
0: forward? All right, Matt, this is going to be a tough question for you. What was the biggest disappointment on each album? And so you're going to have to speak about your disappointment on the Kanye album as well.
4: You know i think i think i kind of already spoke to to the the disappointment on the drake album i think it was a little formulaic and i you know i keep going back to the point of every drake album you kind of get you know kind of the same things um from him and not that it's a bad thing not that it doesn't make it an enjoyable listen but from somebody who you feel you know has so much talent and so much potential to keep kind of staying in their lane and, and he's becoming older drake is not some you know 20 year old anymore he's in his his mid-30s like i would like to see you know in the same way he came up with that level of of you know he had a little bit of vulnerability in the way he spoke about things but now he's just been kind of regurgitating them over and over so i think that that formulaic aspect you know When i clicked on champagne poetry and i heard the beat i was like okay all right i'm a little nervous here and then it just kind of faded you know from there with the occasional standout i think you know for for the kanye album um you know i don't knock its length i I was thinking okay could it be its length i think you know maybe and, and i would say this doesn't even speak to the music but you know the the questionable inclusion of uh, specifically Marilyn Manson. I think for me, and and, and listen, I'm not going to try to defend it because I don't think, I think the severity of, of the accusations against Marilyn Manson are bad that he shouldn't have been included. And I almost think it it, it you know, the, including him alongside baby actually hurts baby more, who, you know, I have a, a different take on in the need for education and, and openness to to be willing to be educated and, and improve on, you know, the wrongdoings that he made at, at Rolling Loud. Um, but I think that was, you know, a little bit of an issue where Kanye kind of overreaching, being, you know, the ultimate, kind of trying to provide the ultimate level of empathy on a theatrical display, I think did potentially miss a little in the inclusion of Marilyn Manson. And like I said, I think it just maybe featuring the baby on that stage would have been a more effective way to say let's let's drive the dialogue dialogue forward on forgiveness and education versus cancellation. And I think the inclusion of Marilyn Manson kind of wiped that that possibility away from the narrative. Um, so that would probably be you know my biggest critique.
1: To your point, Matt. Like I agree. You know he's probably trying to make a message of, of non-cancellation. That said, Kanye has a history of doing things overtly and or, and or potentially problematic and saying things that are problematic and less time to give into, get into the elections of 2020 type of thing. But like what, but I think that because he doesn't give context, that is the challenge, right? And he doesn't really care about the PR side of that stuff. Um, I'm going to answer your question, Steve, but extend it to both albums. Um, it's, I think kind of their, their issue is that both of these artists were trying to perfect this album for a long time. And we've seen this time and time again, Steve, with, with many of these albums, starting with MJ this season, you know, artists sometimes get way too immersed in their work that they forget to take a step back and really kind of assess what they're doing and what they're creating. And is it going to connect and actually engage audiences?
0: I was very disappointed by Kanye's inclusion. And, and I was going to say exactly that, Matt, of... Uh, the features that he chose, which were the baby, right, and his like homophobic comments. I think I agree with you that cancel culture is toxic and it spreads like wildfire on social media. I think education is definitely like the priority there, but I think that it's also like goes back to Kanye not necessarily being in touch with the cultural moment. The fact not only that they're featured that. They were, um, you know, also a part of his his live shows, I think was a, a big misstep. Both Drake and Kanye, neither of them featured a, a, a woman. Like there are rumors of a Drake Ariana collab that didn't happen. It's like also, I think, a moment where I think hip hop can can kind of cross gender divide a little bit more.
1: Um, Steve, Yeba is a woman on Kanye's album. Oh) <laughs> <laughs> but no one knows her and I kind of like that actually not Kanye um, Drake Drake's album
3: but I do I do I do and all the time you wasn't chosen well I'll make
2: it up to you
1: and so I'm happy he brought her along on that because I actually have had songs of hers on my actual personal music collection and I, when I saw that I'm like wait first of all he named the song after her and he brought this indie pop artist along the journey, which I think is a nice extension and arm out, like Drake has done in the past with other artists.
4: You know, I do agree. I think there's obviously a lot. Of, I think Drake is is sometimes better at that. Um, I forget the even interlude that he has on CLB. I forget who that's by, but beautiful. Um, I think she's a Canadian like songwriter, um, and 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 so he does have some some good inclusions there. But the, um, yeah, definitely you know fall short especially for her own album about his his mother
0: what was your uh, favorite feature
4: so i would say one i think just framing the number of established artists who gave the best features of their careers or in recent years on donda speaks to kanye's influence i look at Fivey O'Farin on Off the Grid. It's the best verse of his career. I look at Little Yachty on OK, OK. I look at Don Tolliver and Vory like speckled all over that album. And then I look at the number of established artists that were pissed off that they were left off Soldier Boy and Chris Brown. And I just think I have to, I, I can't talk about features without talking about that point. My favorite feature, I think. It's between Five Year the Foreign on Off the Grid. I think he flows what for seems like an hour. It's just like, uh, I'm like, this guy needs to practice breath work if he's going to do this live. Um, and the fact that he's going to be, Kanye might be producing his whole album gets me excited. Or, and I think this might be actually my sleeper pick, Jay Electronica on Jesus is Lord. I'm obsessed with him. I think he's like a lyricist. I think there's a line, I shake the tectonic plates of the game if I lay one vocal. And then the same verse he talks about earthquakes will strike the nation for what bush did to rwanda what the clintons did to haiti and downing street did to ghana and you're like this guy is just like a lyrical mass you know he's like a master of lyrics and a lyricist and i just think that feature to me on my favorite song is is probably takes a slight edge over fabio farin quicks to strike this nation for what Bush did to Rwanda, what the Clintons did to Haiti and down the street did to Ghana. It's a
2: postman they call me Toto Moto or Negro Local. I shake the tectonic crates of the game if I lay one vocal. The God is interstellar while you fellas remain local. My boss is like the pyramid
4: temples of Paco culture. As
2: sure as the DOJ confirmed Ezekiel's will I to change the world.
4: Drake, I would probably say. I think, Knife Talk, and I think I talked a little bit about why I thought the beat, I thought 21 Savage was just flowing, like, in his element. That is, like, so his song and what he does. And I just thought, like, the beat, it was, like, one of those creepy Halloween-type, you know, I thought, like, Michael Myers, I know we're we're recording around Halloween. It's, like, one of those songs that just felt like it was, you know, such a, a creepy rap song. And I feel like 21 Savage really, like, was just like in, you know that that's such his his kind of beat to to just like flow on that. I just loved that
3: track. Mine for
2: Drake
1: is Future. You could never go wrong with having Future on any song. I'm sorry, Future just always brings his A game. Kanye or shall I say Yay. I'm gonna go with <laughs> the weekend. And I think simply for the fact that his inclusion is very important to have some opportunity for a charting song. And that was very smart and strategic of him to put him on the first track uh of sorry as single wise. i though that Kanye didn't kind of overtly put the artists as featured in every streaming music platform. I think that's such a, a, a piss move, right? Like you have to give artists front and center credit instead of having them kind of hidden behind that. But I Russ.
0: That was interesting that on all streaming platforms, it's just Kanye West i would say with donda i i agree with you i think the weekend was like a really great move commercially uh, hurricane's one of my favorite songs but i would say that Lil baby's feature on hurricane is also like really interesting and it's also he delivers kind of this like pain with strength uh and he says like sip until my stomach hurt this month i done lost three friends
3: yeah. walking on the bridge, i my
2: sins
3: over the deep end. It to my stomach
0: for for Drake it was definitely knife talk with 21 savage like I said so I won't get into any more detail there but I think that those two features really were, were the best on each album with that I want to move into the period where we talk a little bit about like the influence of the hip hop world, the legacy that these albums will leave. I know this is like a very big passion point for, for Matt. So I'm curious, which album do you feel like had more influence on the hip hop world today? And which one do you feel will like leave more of a legacy?
4: Oh, this is the, this is the the question I've been waiting for, Steve. I think in the Kanye Drake debate, this is where you get to, there is no debate. It's apples and oranges. I think, We look at Drake. He doesn't exist without Kanye West, meaning like getting back to flopography, like he is ultimately going to be the flop here. Like we have to start in 2004. We have to start at like before Kanye, there was only gangster rap. They didn't think Kanye could be a commercially successful rapper. He said, I'm going to make an album so good that you're going to have to release it. He was still this super producer, right? College dropout put him on the map he gave permission for rappers to talk about the things they're talking about today, to talk about materials and to talk about education and talk about race, talk about religion, samplings of soul, the soul and rap he's here today. 2007, 2008, Kanye, you're getting graduation, which is like Kanye literally went on tour with you too, and was like, oh my god, I can't believe Bono is able to control a, a, a stadium with these lyrics, he created graduation and match that. You're, this is why we have the the stadium tours and in the scale we do today for some of these hip hop artists. And then you know Kanye went head to head with gangster rap graduation. We have 808s and heartbreak, which is arguably probably the most one of the most influential albums in hip hop for artists today. Drake influenced by it incredibly. Like Drake does not exist if this album does not come out. Kid Cudi um frank ocean like anybody who anybody in, in in hip-hop today was influenced by this album what does kanye do after that his masterpiece twisted fantasy then he goes on to you know he's us and i'm sure we're at the point where you guys are saying to me okay we're not talking about all of this we're talking about donda Rain it in matt but i think it's a miss to not talk about Ka- the completeness of kanye's work up until this point and obviously i'm even skipping over a few but like his ability to almost create he has been a part of and defining hip-hop and the sound of hip-hop for 20 years before college dropout jay-z and the blueprint h to the izzo kanye and you know uh, swiss beats create so like i think we have to we have to step back and look at the completeness of Kanye's work up until this point and all of the influence that has got in to allowing him to introduce an album that is 20 songs in length that goes from you know almost this like rock and roll into gospel and all of these things today because it is all like the creation of sound and of of how hip hop should and um does sound is is all you know, kind of the influence and and credit to Kanye. And I think looking at his complete work and looking at where Donda has taken us, like I think it's so clear to see just his influence and the bigger picture of his impact on not just hip hop, but music, but culture. Um, you know, I, I often refer to him as the greatest living artist of our generation. And I know he refers to himself as like the Michelangelo but I think he's in the same conversation as a David Bowie or a Prince or arguably, dare I say, and I know I might offend some listeners, a Michael Jackson in terms of stratospheric impact on music. And I know I'm gonna, pro- that's a hot take. I'm probably gonna hear some heat for it but I'm gonna say it because um, I-, I believe it.
1: Matt's gonna get us canceled. Um, <laughs> one thing I will say about Drake, you're right, Matt. There is no competition. It's fast food rap music. It's you know I would I would almost said fast food pop, but it kind of is that. Uh, people will forget it. However, I'm glad you compared Kanye's album. Um, I don't think you compared it to per se, but I I got eight and heartbreak remnants in the last like half slash quarter of the album. But then I thought, wait, hold on. All the stuff that you mentioned too were his his earlier work, right? His earlier work. And I don't know if this album from him is gonna have a mark as Ada Was Heartbreak did with non-fans, right? I don't know if it did that. And I do think that um, in terms of longevity, what's gonna probably um, do better is is Kanye because it is a little bit more timeless, but I also don't think it's that timeless compared to Kanye's old work. I think it just does the job
0: I think we're all in agreement that Donda is probably going to leave more of a legacy and influence, right? I think the problem is uh, for Kanye, this album from like a public perspective, like his art was overshadowed by all of the the publicity of, you know, let's let's re- remind ourselves that not too long ago Kanye was s- submitting to run for president. Uh, he was in Wyoming and tweeting about the Kardashians and like stuff that was was really critical of them. That's all people were talking about. He then overshadowed the release by saying, you know, Universal wasn't supposed to Universal Music Group wasn't supposed to release the album on streaming that Sunday. He took so much time to, like, tweak the album while he lived in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. He had those controversial features that we talked about. He also, you know, had this feud with Drake, which, you know, we talked about earlier in the episode. But I think it's important to note that, like, Drake felt the most confident here. Drake picked his release date and said, I don't care. I know that my numbers are going to be bigger than yours. And you're nervous about your release date because you know that my numbers, my album is going to be number one, no matter when I release it. So there was this like uncertainty with Kanye and kind of this irritation, the fact that like he has so much artistry, but all of these other elements are like outshining that, that leads me to the fact that like his legacy and influence, I think will, will be discovered eventually. But it doesn't have, to your point, Mike, I think the worry that I have is it it's not gonna have the hits that his other albums had that draw the the mainstream audiences to like revisit the album. It's not gonna have that. But I do think that it was like a cultural moment that people will remember and revisit that Certified Lover Boy wasn't. Yeah. Tell us which is the flop, Certified Lover Boy or Donda? Hey. I mean, I think I kind of let the cat out of the bag Love. early.
4: I think the fact that, you know, I think Drake would be a flop without Kanye. So his career is, you know, and I'm obviously leaping here in credit to, in, in some capacities, Kanye. But I think, you know, Certified Lover Boy to me is the flop. I really thought this could be a moment where Drake takes a step forward and actually show some progression as an artist. And I think I just, you know, like I said, formulaic is the word, it just felt somewhat flat. You know, whether we loved or hated Donda, I think, you know, it, it garnered a reaction. It was different. It is not like anything we have heard before from Kanye, from the hip hop community, you know, from from many artists. And so I think in that regard, you have to commend, you know, kind of the the bravery and, and courage of Kanye to continue to say, You know 20 almost 20 plus years into his career i'm going to continue to push the genre forward and i think drake just has continued to to not do that and so while you know it's not a flop let's say in the traditional sense because it has huge streaming numbers and huge radio i think from a legacy standpoint and when we look back and uh you know if i'm hopefully indoctrinating my kids with the greatness of kanye west that they, you know, have the same admiration for that album and, and his legacy lives on in the same way that uh, a David Bowie or Prince, when we look back, you know, is like, oh my God, this person pushed music forward. I think that's where Kanye is, is the real real you know, kind of innovator here. And I think Drake, you'll look back and, you know, will his his music be like an 80s photo where you look back and think, oh my God, what was everybody wearing in that photo? Why were they doing that? Versus Kanye is the Paul Newman. You know, he is the the James Dean. He's the the timeless classic here that is aged, um, you know, like a wine. Um and so I just threw in a lot of absurd analogies there. Um, but I, I stand behind all of them. And I think Drake is the flop. How do
1: I follow that up? <laughs> no, all of those analogies. Um, I will say though, you know, if you raise your kids right in Paris, they will not speak English, they will speak French, and they will not know any of this music and gibberish. So, but, but you know, I think the flop is, I mean, yes, we've all said it, it's, it's certified lover boy, right? Um, there is some, some art in having culture front and center in your album. But but I think I do think Kanye's album will age better. I'm a casual listener, right? I'm not impartial like like maybe some people, and I think that I'm right smack in the middle. Yeah, like you, Matt,
3: um, <laughs> right
1: smack in the middle. What gotcha. I judge good music as is, is it stop me in my tracks? And I will say, you know, Circle Lover Boy, when I was playing today, like I was like, all right, like it, literally a lot of it just blends in one. While Kanye West's album itself, there's art there. There really is art. the the lyric writing is is so profound in some, some moments. Um, And I will say like, I don't get, I don't really get emotional when I listen to music, but I did get emotional today. And, and I got emotional from his songs. Like, Lord, I need you, Jesus, Lord, come to life. All those songs. Like I was like moon. I was like literally caught myself in my tracks pausing and really thinking and really looking at other aspects of my life. And I'm like, wow. Like, and that's what good music does. And I will say that will age better and, uh, therefore makes it the non-flop.
0: How do we diagnose a flop? And this is something Matt, like Mike and I talk about all the time is what does a flop mean? Is it like commercial? Is it critical success? Is it the the world created around the album? And what we find with, with many flops is that there is, there is a moment where the art is outshined by the world around it. I think of like art, art pop with Lady Gaga. Like there was so much around that era that, that really translated into the flop that like people look back on. And now it's like a much loved album, which one will have more legacy and influence. It's going to be Donda, but which one do I think is the flop right now? I'm going to say Donda. Uh, And the reason being, is you look at the sales, Drake is selling two times. Kanye. Drake had I believe every song reached the hot 100 that and that's that's commercially speaking but critically speaking Drake on Gold Derby is in the top set to reach album of the year he his metacritic score across all critical evaluations was over 10 more points than Kanye so so those are both critical and commercial, but also the world around Donda, I mean, the controversial features, the publicity, the spectacle, Matt, you called it, I think outshines the art. I think which one will, when I revisit in 20 years, be considered a flop? I think it's probably not Donda. But if you have to ask me right now, if I'm a record label executive, which one was a flop? I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say Donda.
4: Hey, the shining. in in the movie sense was considered a flop when it released and now Kubrick and The Shining are, you know, one of the greatest films of all time. So I think I'd prefer to be in, you know, the Kanye apologist in, in the age better, like a wine versus. age like a fine wine. I'm, I'm probably going
0: to regret this, Matt, but I had to, I had to go against you. Come on. It's um, on the yeah, airwaves now. The it's on air the air airwaves air. now. I know I can't take it back. This is this is not live. I can edit this.
3: <laughs> we off the I'm off the my kids. I just, I just threw
0: 20 Matt, thank you so much for sharing your time and your Kanye west knowledge with us well now yay i should say all right well uh thank you all for for tuning in and listening this week uh, as always if you have your own reactions to certified lover boy or donda please uh tweet us or uh, post on our instagram at at flopography podcast we're always uh interested in your take on the album
1: and you can also email us at flop at at gmail.com and uh, if you're watching us, you can go to anchor.fm slash flopography podcast to get links to all of the streaming sites that we are on. We're on every major podcast platform. So take a look, refer your friends, tell them to listen to us on their commute uh, back and forth or whatever they're doing to the shower or whatever. Uh, and then also if you are watching us, like comment and subscribe because those things do matter and metrics and help us get in the eyeballs of others. Uh, so thank you everybody. Yeah,
0: from from New York, Chicago, and I guess are you in New Jersey or New York right now, Matt? Let's just say New York. Okay, New York. It's a little bit more fun. New York, Chicago, and LA. We're signing off from all coasts. Thanks for listening this week, and we'll catch you next week.
2: Are you throwing on that dress I see through? Yeah, talking out of shit that you been through. Yeah, texting me and say I need to see you.
3: I my go, I don't-